Well, then what they did in the true second cause of death, if the DNR isn't bad enough, is that they combined Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. They gave her three doses of lorazepam and a dose of morphine. Nobody listening could have survived that combination. And that's the true second cause of death. You know, this has gotten to the point, this is why we're that we filed the lawsuit. It's way bigger than Grace's story at this point. Well, now after COVID, so 39 months later, there's a hundred million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. So they relaxed the rules during COVID. So they made it seem like they're doing this for your benefit. You got coverage. We let relax the rules so you got coverage. And I'm telling you, they did this on purpose to facilitate what's coming next, which is the mass euthanasia. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thank you so much for being with us today. That was Scott Shera. You'll recall that that Appleton, Wisconsin hospital, St. Elizabeth's, murdered his daughter, Grace. Well, Scott Shera is not a man to be messed with, and he is suing, and you won't believe what Scott has discovered in the hospital's own documents. You know those Ezekiel Emanuel, Barack Obama, Obamacare death panels? It all goes down the memory hole some 10 years later, doesn't it? Well, here it is in black and white. The Euthanasia Agenda. Friends, thank you so very, very much for tuning in. Spread this one far and wide. And Before we start, just a quick word about our sponsor. Noble Gold Investments have made it their mission to stay on top of the most important economic news. Now, there were three bank runs in the last month. These are the second and third largest bank runs in U.S. history. The government is claiming to be taking steps to guarantee all deposits. But the bottom line is this, more money printing. The Fed is sitting on unrealized losses of $1.2 trillion on their $8.3 trillion bond portfolio. And it looks like the Fed may continue to raise interest rates, even if that means tanking the economy. These are frightening times. But do you know who are the ones who are not afraid? The people that have invested in gold with Noble Gold Investments. Now remember, there's always a risk of investment, and there's no guarantee of any kind. So do your own due diligence. But I myself own precious metals. Gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control. And if you like silver, that's an option too. Thousands have approached Noble Gold Investments to get their hands on gold. Hurry and go to noblegoldinvestments.com to secure your wealth now. And if you qualify, you can bag a free 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin with each gold or silver IRA. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Hey friends, Sean from SGT Report here. Thanks so much for coming on back. We really do appreciate you guys so very, very much. I don't say it enough, but I want you to know, without you guys, the work we're doing here would be really meaningless. And so we really do need you to share this information far and wide within your sphere of influence on social media. Friends, I have Scott Shera back on the line. As you guys will recall, he's Grace's dad. Grace was murdered at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Appleton, Wisconsin on October 13th, 2021. And now Scott is a dedicated full-time activist and researcher. He also has a podcast. And friends, in this one, we are going to uncover and provide for you the facts behind the euthanasia agenda. Scott Shera joins me now. How are you, Scott? Oh, I'm doing well, Sean. It's really great to be back on with you. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you. Of course, I want to pay it forward by leading with this website, your website, ouramazinggrace.net. Now, Grace had Down syndrome, and one wonders, is that why she was murdered? Well, Scott's got the evidence that suggests, yes, that is the case, and it was all codified. This euthanasia agenda was codified on March 23rd, 2010, with Obamacare. Friends, I'm coming back to Scott. Scott, have you ever heard of a better oxymoron in your life than Obamacare? Because we now know that Obama and his stay-behind networks in the Biden administration are responsible for the bring-down and the takedown of our nation, the destruction of our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, the open borders. It's all part of the Obama stay-behind networks. So Obamacare, I'm now looking at that word in a whole different way 10 years later, 13 years later. It's an oxymoron. Obama doesn't care about you or me or this country. No, that's that's right on. You remember back when it was passed, they said the biggest lie of the year was when he said, you know, if you've got your doctor, you can keep your doctor. And, you know, and, you know it takes a bit to dig into this type of thing. But Obamacare is 974 pages long. So, of course, nobody's going to dig into it. 
I dug into it because of wanting to research. And I'm going to lead into what you said. So uh, by by giving a story. And so the day after the lawsuit was filed, we filed Grace's lawsuit on April 11th. So two weeks ago yesterday. And the day after the lawsuit was filed, a reporter from the largest newspaper in Wisconsin called me and wanted to do an interview. And so we started talking and um, and she said, do you think that Grace died because she had Down syndrome? I said, yes, I do. And then she said, are you a conspiracy theorist? Oh and I said, you know, people like you want to label me that way because then you can discount what I say. But I said, I have the proof. And so she was on her laptop. I was on mine. So I said, let me show you a document. So I sent her a document and we went through it. And she said to me, um, I want to come and interview you in person. So we haven't got to that point yet, but that's coming up. And I warned her, I said, you know, if you do your job on this story, you will lose your job. And the reason is, is you work for the most liberal newspaper in the state, the largest newspaper in the state, they do not want what I have to say to get out into the general population. And um, she assured she's got a disabled daughter. So she assured me that she would do her job. So we'll see. Uh, it, it'll be interesting. It, I was warned that I better videotape that um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that interview because, you know, they tend to take out what they want and discount the things that are important. But anyway, that's my lead in, Sean, to what I want to share today. Well, we're going to go to uh, the presentation that Scott has prepared here in just one second, guys. But let me just say, it's fascinating to hear these mockingbirds, and that's what they are. And maybe this reporter, maybe you'll get a fair shake from her, but she's got editors and people above her that if they don't kill the story, they will certainly probably encourage her to water it down quite a bit. And it's interesting that she led with that ad hominem, conspiracy theorist. Are you a conspiracy theorist? Next time she says that to you or asks you officially in the interview, remind her where that term came from. It was invented, concocted by the CIA after they assassinated our beloved president, John F. Kennedy. That's right. They came up with that because they don't want people having discourse about the evil deeds that they do in the darkness and in the shadows. And thank God these people are now being revealed for the beasts, the evil ones that they are. And the CIA is really right up there at the top of the evil, in my opinion. And by the way, interesting to note, Sean Hannity doesn't say a word about the firing of the number one man in news, Tucker Carlson, as Sean Hannity wears a CIA pin on his lapel during certain broadcasts. You can't make this up, friends. These people are mockingbirds. Where does that term come from? Mockingbird mainstream CIA media, in which they bragged about being able to get whatever story they concocted on the front page of every newspaper in the country within 24 hours, because people in the media are in the pocket on the payroll of the CIA. So we wish you well. Yes, absolutely record everything that you say during that interview, every question she asks you so that you have the backup if she tries to throw you under the bus. All right, guys, we're going to go to Scott's presentation. This is a really powerful tangible, quantifiable proof of the euthanasia agenda codified on March 23rd, 2010 under Obamacare. The hospitals, friends, have become federally mandated killing fields. Scott, take it away. All right. So that title is pretty uh, out there, I realize, but I'm going to prove it. And I believe I can prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So I always, whenever I talk about Grace, I want to do a brief introduction. So you see, there's a number of pictures of Grace. The one I want to focus on, because we're finally coming into spring here in Wisconsin, is the lawn mowing one on the bottom right. So that little stinker, when we have seven acres of lawn, Sean. So when uh, she got old enough, I said, hey, Grace, you want to help dad mow lawn? And, you know, she right away wanted to do that. So we bought her this little John Deere mower. And I would outline some, you know, one acre spots where there's no trees and she would just go to town on those those spots. But what's what was so funny, and I just teased her because at the end, she knew how to start it, you know, put it in gear, reverse everything, but she wouldn't use reverse on the the last little section. She'd go, you know, round and round and round, but there's always this little section you can't get with the mower. And I tease her because, you know, she would use a gallon of fuel on an acre, but then that last four by four patch, you know, you got five gallons of fuel driving all around the yard just to circle the mower back. And she didn't want me to come over with the big mower and handle it. She did her section all by herself. So it was just cute. 
that, that's I, awesome. I also want to share because, you know, people, and when you, you see the documents I have, you're going to see something that is so egregious. And, you know, I always share about Grace's uh, abilities because she was super high functioning. She deer hunted with me. She could read and write because my my wife did a fantastic job homeschooling. But then her sense of humor, you know, outside of her hugs, number two, a close number two is her sense of humor. That's what I miss. So the next one gives a slide for her sense of humor, Sean. So when Grace first saw this, she said, hey, dad, look at that sign. I said, what do you think it means? And she quipped right back. Watch out for falling bikes. <laughs> that's so, about right. That's just perfect. You know, she saw she 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 adopted my stupid sense of humor. So she saw the world in a literal sense, and then you could see things that are just absolutely funny that way. All right. So then I, I want to hit a couple of things about what happened to Grace. And at first, this first one underneath there, that Sean is the last page out of the first day's doctor report from the COVID expert on the floor that Grace was on. So they had a COVID wing. Um, It was on the second floor of St. Elizabeth's Hospital. This is the write-up from the COVID expert. And this kind of gave me a clue as to what's going on. And I'm emphasizing one thing here, but in in his write-up, so what happens is every time a doctor goes into a room, he has to do a report. So in the seven days Grace was in the hospital, she died on October 13th of 2021. She went in first on October 6th in the emergency room, first full day was the 7th. So this is the first full day report from the doctor that was in the room. There was 22 doctor's reports for the seven days Grace was in the hospital. In those 22 reports, they said that Grace had Down syndrome 36 different times. In this report, he mentioned that Grace had Down syndrome four times in one report. He mentioned that we're Christians twice. He mentioned that we're following the frontline doctor's misinformation campaign. That's what he called it. He referenced that twice. Where's all that? Where's all that? Is that in this document? Not in that document. I just wanted to focus on one thing. So this is the, you can see this is the end of the, that first day's report, but I wanted to emphasize one thing. There was a bias towards us being unvaccinated. You can see what he wrote. He said, I think the patient probably would not be here if she had been fully vaccinated. Well, and that's his ignorance on full display. And I find it interesting the way he wrote that. I think she would probably not be here if she was fully vaccinated, having no idea that the mRNA COVID shots were experimental in nature. And now we know, and I knew at the time, of course, this guy didn't, they're ineffective. They don't prevent infection. They don't prevent the conveyance of infection, if we're to believe any of that at all. It is a bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, but these Kool-Aid drinkers who make money, earn money, got payouts for vaccinating people. Well, that's not medical care. That's not health care in any way, shape, or form. So very interesting. He says, I think the patient probably would not be here if she had been fully vaccinated. What a snake. Well, I, I think you're actually being kind with your description of the bioweapon. Uh, and I, I mean, you obviously know this. I put the Brooke Jackson pleadings and the response from Pfizer and the government on Grace's website, because when I read those, I just had on my podcast, the deprogramming with Grace's dad, I just got done an hour ago. I had uh, Warner Mendenhall, uh, the attorney on, and he's the attorney in the Brooke Jackson case. That case unbelievably has been dismissed. And, you know, that case shows, I mean, in the, you see the, the um, response to the pleadings, Pfizer admitted that this, they have a contract with the government, with the Department of Defense and other authority agreement. And they admitted it was a prototype. It was never a vaccine, you know, so that you can't make that up. And then the federal government comes behind Pfizer instead of supporting their whistleblower through the False Claims Act, Brooke Jackson, they come behind Pfizer and support Pfizer's claim. I mean, if it is, uh, if the population just knew that, you know, they're still promoting this, Sean, and they're promoting it at a ground level. It's, um, so we go to, I'll just give you a quick example. We go to a local pharmacy versus one of the chains. And so I just got my prescription for ivermectin filled. So they are a compounding pharmacy. But when I called in to get that prescription refilled, they have um, an audio pre-recorded that you have to listen to before you enter your prescription number. And it is promoting the jab. So you think, why is a private pharmacy promoting the jab? And the reason is, is they have to. 
they accept Medicare and Medicaid. And so that's how they infiltrate society. When when I went through the drive-thru, I asked the the young guy, you know, I was just jousting, but I mean he he these people really don't know Sean, and that's why I'm I'm speaking out, same as you are. I asked him uh if if I want to get the fifth booster, do I have to have all the other four shots first? You know, and of course I'm picking up ivermectin, but he doesn't even know I'm joking around with him. He says, Let me go get the pharmacist so he can answer your question. It's like, oh my gosh, it's painful. Well, the other thing that's interesting is these people have no idea who Ezekiel Emmanuel is. He's the death panel guy under Obama. So now we see all of this coming into fruition, this idea that uh, the system can't sustain old people anymore. So really, in Ezekiel Emanuel's own words, the optimal time for death is 75 years old. He might have said 65, but I think it was 75 years old. Anybody who lives beyond that is just draining the system of resources. That's what they want us to believe. These people are pure evil. We'll go back to your uh, slideshow here. Precedex. What's Precedex? So Presidex, uh, I want to just see the slide. All right. So Presidex was used for Grace's first cause of death. So on Grace's death certificate, it says first cause of death, acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. Well, that's a direct cause and effect from using Presidex for more than 24 hours. Presidex is a sedation med. In a hospital setting, it's it's really important that you don't get sedated or approved sedation, unless it's objectively necessary, because your room then gets classified as ICU, so the hospital makes more money. In Grace's case, her room never changed, nor did the care change. But then you're also labeled as um, against medical advice. So if you've had it, you realize, I want to get out of here. They make you jump through hoops, because now they'll say the physician won't won't sign your discharge papers. It's against medical advice. In Grace's case, they had Grace on Presidex for five full days in spite of the package insert saying 24 hours. So you can see the death certificate here in the next slide. It says specifically acute respiratory failure with hypoxemia. And I mean, my gosh, they told the truth. But the second cause of death, COVID-19 pneumonia, couldn't be further from the truth. And what caused the what really caused Grace's death? So I mean, the, the day started, and I have some new evidence here with that day, Sean. I'll share it now and then we'll get to that next slide is the morning of Grace's last day on the 13th of October, the doctor called us and said, you know, Grace, he, first he wanted to get us, Cindy and I, my wife's name is Cindy, he wanted us to, to pre-approve a ventilator. And that was the fifth request. We knew we weren't going to do a ventilator because I'd done the research, a ventilator has a 90% kill rate with COVID. It doesn't make any sense. And Grace was never in that in that need whatsoever. But they wanted to press us for that because that is a $300,000 payday for the hospital. Is so, it, wait, 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 300000 if you vent somebody? I had no idea it was that high. It's So they get a $39,000 bonus upon venting the, the patient and the average hospital stay for a vented patient is 22 days. So when you add up the uh, ICU, the bonuses, and then the hospital stay, it's about a $300,000 dollar payday unbelievable yeah see we knew that there were paydays and payouts for doctors and hospitals if they would label a patient covid then if they get into the icu that's another payout then if they vent you it's another payout if they get you on remdesivir it's another payout and when you die it's another payout i'm not overstating that am i you're not overstating it a bit. In fact, I would say you're understating it. Uh, it is, and I'm going to go through a couple of examples to show this. So you go back to, so that last day, then we'll get back to Grace's death certificate. So the doctor is pressing us for this ventilator pre-authorization. And so we say no for the fifth time. And he immediately switched gears and said, Grace had such a good day yesterday. We should work on nutrition. Let's get her out of bed today in a chair watching TV so we can get her out of here in the next several days. So we we approved a feeding tube, trusting the white coat. I mean, this was insane because he's directly lying to us. Before he even got us on the phone, they had strapped Grace down to the bed and made her poop in the bed. Yet he's telling us, let's get her out of bed. We knew Grace had a good day the day before, and he said it right in the phone call because Jessica, my daughter, was with her, and her oxygen, in spite of being on the sedation med, was at 98 and 99% the entire night before. And she was she was still herself in spite of being sedated. Literally, Sean, while we were on the phone with him at 1048, 
they increased Presidex to the maximum allowable dose. This is while we're on the phone with him laying out how to get Grace out of the hospital. Then simultaneous with hanging up the phone, he put an illegal do not resuscitate order on Grace. And you can see that in that next document. Let's go back to the presentation. All right, so you see COVID-19 pneumonia, second cause of death. That was a $13,000 bonus. Here you see where this where it says eight minutes. We received after, I thought we had all the records, a medical malpractice nurse reviewed the records and said, Scott, you're missing at least 1,000 pages. And that's where we found this. There was nine, she was spot on, 948 pages we, we received with that second request. And on page 853, we see the DNR order entered into the system by the doctor simultaneous with hanging up the phone with Cindy and I. He was telling us how great of a day Grace did. Well, then what they did in the true second cause of death, if the DNR isn't bad enough, is that they combined Presidex with lorazepam and morphine. They gave her three doses of lorazepam and a dose of morphine. Nobody listening could have survived that combination. And that's the true second cause of death. You know, this has gotten to the point, this is why we're, that we filed the lawsuit. It's way bigger than Grace's story at this point. There's 1.2 million Americans who've been killed in these nefarious ways. I'm going to show you those, where those numbers come from in just a minute. All right, we'll go to the next slide then, Sean. All right, so the DNR, so this is real important. So you see that this document is from Wisconsin, but I want people to realize this is a nationwide, it's actually a worldwide problem because they've used the excuse of we've got a triage, we the spirit of collectivism that has infiltrated Obamacare to do things that you can't make up. And so we filed a complaint and again, I want you to look at this as this applies to all 50 states because I've gotten many, many, many people I've talked with in the hundreds who have had DNR situations similar to Grace's. We filed a complaint with the Department of Safety and Professional Services. That's the organization in Wisconsin that regulates the doctors and nurses licenses. They did a sham investigation, said the doctor did, did no wrong. In fact, they went even further. There was an investigative reporter that came to Appleton yeah, to interview me about these DNRs because he did a documentary on illegal DNRs. And they wrote him on December 5th of 22. And they said specifically, this is the, the underlying paragraph, chapter 154, which is the Wisconsin DNR statute of the Wisconsin statutes does not apply to physicians operating in a hospital, non-emergency room setting, such as the one in question. So now the lawsuit, we're, we're asking the judge for a declaratory judgment on this because this can't be law. This is what the department of the one that's supposed to be protecting us says is, is the law. It can't be. So we're asking the judge for a declaratory judgment on this particular thing. So if this is true, think about what it means. You're in your hospital bed. You have to have your patient portal up live on your phone or laptop and watching it 24-7 because you never know if a doctor is going to put a DNR on you. And I want to go on one short rabbit trail here because when I first brought up this illegal DNR, when I first started speaking out in public uh, 14 months ago, a lady lived next to a reporter who did a story on on uh, on us, and I had mentioned about this illegal DNR. That lady called the reporter and said, that man's lying, me. And she happens to be a nurse. She's a nurse in an Appleton, Wisconsin hospital, and she said that I'm lying. Well, two months ago, that same lady, this nurse in Appleton, Wisconsin, called the reporter and said, he's not lying. And so the reporter said, well, what, what do you mean? And she said, I'm the nurse in the hospital that my dad is in, and I was doing the rounds and found the doctor put an illegal DNR on my dad, and I'm the nurse, and I'm the power of attorney. So I asked, so this gets even worse, Sean, because, so I asked the reporter, do you think you you can ask her if she would talk to me? So she did, and the late this nurse talked with me. And so I, I asked her, will you come on the air with me and share this? People are dying. And she said, I'm 66 years old. I'm a year away from retirement, and I just can't do that. Here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing, friends. We are under an all-out World War III silent weapons for quiet wars attack against humanity. You're not going to live very much longer if you don't fight against this. So yes. enjoy your retirement. What, 66? 
I mean, yeah. maybe she's got nine good years left, according to Ezekiel Emanuel. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that, that's right. All right, let's. I don't know where we're at exactly, but I'm. We'll go to the next slide. Yeah, we're doing good here. I just here's the thing though about this. So it's really fascinating that Chapter 154 of the Wisconsin Statutes does not apply to physicians operating in hospital non-emergency room settings, such as the one in question. What does that even mean? That means that this doctor had the authority to illegally implement. A DNR against the family's wishes, according to these people at the Department of Safety and Professional Services. Who are these jokers? Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. I, you know, when you dive into something like this, you know, God keeps opening doors and then your responsibility is to walk through them. And this lawsuit is by far and away the biggest door that's been opened. And it's the hardest one to walk through yet, Sean, but we're doing it. Okay, so why did this happen? So we, oh, Sean and I already alluded to the money. Um, oh, I got to share this first. <laughs> so I want to put the spotlight on me here for a minute. This was a drawing that Grace did a few years before she died. She just was so cute. But over on the right-hand side, it says, Dad is a bundle of nerves. It is his job to keep Grace safe. Uh-huh. And the reason I bring this up, is obviously I want to show my cute daughter's drawing, but more importantly, I want to have people understand why Grace died from what I'm guilty of. And what I'm guilty of is I fell trapped to the propaganda and the fear. So when Grace's oxygen dropped to 88%, I thought it was an emergency. Grace was doing fine. There's absolutely no reason I should have ever taken her to the hospital other than, you know, we have two choices. So when something happens, if fear infiltrates you, you should always choose opposite because God did not give us a spirit of fear. And the fact is, I did not rely on God at that moment. And that caused the death of my daughter. That does not excuse what the hospital did, the doctors, nurses, but that was my part of it. And you know, of course, I had to repent of that. And it, it is by far and away, as things get worse, they are going to do everything in their power with propaganda to create a fear and to get us to do things that we should not do. And I have become a full-time advocate because of my choice, and I don't want another person to ever make this mistake. I don't want anybody to lose their best buddy, no matter if you're my worst enemy. I just don't want anybody to ever have to go through this. And this is my life's mission now. So, Hey, friends, just a quick break and a word about our sponsor. I think most of you know that de-dollarization has begun, but most of your friends, neighbors, and colleagues probably don't. The dollar's dominance is fading by the day. China, Brazil... India, Japan, even France have announced they're moving away from dollars as the major trade unit. The writing's on the wall, and these are scary times. But do you know who are the ones who are not afraid? The people that have invested in gold with Noble Gold Investments. Now remember, there's always a risk of investment, and there's no guarantee of any kind. So do your own due diligence. But I myself own precious metals. Gold is the most stable asset outside of any government control. And if you like silver, that's an option too. Thousands have approached Noble Gold Investments to get their hands on gold. Hurry and go to noblegoldinvestments.com to secure your wealth now. And if you qualify, you can bag a free 5-ounce America the Beautiful coin with each gold or silver IRA. Just visit noblegoldinvestments.com. Yeah, but let me just say, you can't be that hard on yourself because you didn't know. None of us knew at that point. We learned real quickly what was going on in the hospitals. But at this point, most folks had no idea that the hospitals had illegally been turned into killing fields. So it is ironic, though, that she said, Dad's a bundle of nerves. It's his job to keep Grace safe. And you were trying to because you believed, as most people actually still believe today, believe it or not, that the hospitals are there to help people. See, they don't know that the hospitals have really been turned into killing fields, certainly in the name of COVID. And I would say maybe beyond that, as it pertains to all the organ harvesting that goes on, I really think there's some nefarious stuff going on. A lot of people are dying and, uh, you know, their organs are being harvested. The hospitals are killing fields. I just want to say, don't be that hard on yourself. God forgives you. You You were trying to do the right thing. 
I, but you know that I am not being hard on myself anymore because I've repented, but I still want to make sure people know when you get a spirit of fear, realize that's a temptation from Satan. That is not how God operates. And that would have kept great grace safe if I didn't fall trapped to that. This is a, a very important slide. I'm not going to spend any time on it, but we mentioned about the money. Ascension Hospital System is the system that Grace was killed in. They have 150 hospitals. They're the second largest nonprofit hospital system in the United States, the largest Catholic hospital system. And in the first year of COVID, they receive $10 billion in government bonus payments. That's just the first year of COVID. Our lawsuit names Ascension Hospital System. It's important to realize this is truly David versus Goliath. And you remember the story of David versus Goliath. David won. Ascension Hospital System has thirty billion in cash reserves to fight us. So I, you know, I, I hope everybody will pray for our uh, opportunity for justice because this is for uh, 1.2 million Americans' families that we're fighting for here. All right, let's go to the next one, Sean. All right, so then what happened here? The reason this slide is here is because I received an email from a nurse. And I knew this because I have been involved with estate planning. Uh, in Earlier in my career, I had a CPA firm and did a lot of estate planning. So I was aware of this, but she put it in writing very well. And she wrote, you can see it right here on the screen. My mom was very vocal, a fighter, and I watched as they stole her voice and then killed her. I'd always felt this was medical murder, and the goal was never focused on getting her well. First, they rob you of all your assets and then murder you. At least this is what I have come to believe. And I have really come to believe there is an intent to rob one of all their money by recommending all kinds of expensive medical treatments and surgeries before murdering you. And, you know, so I'm going to share an exact story right now, and then we're going to go to the next slide. But we have a lady who has become a friend. She lost her special needs daughter in a hospital. Uh, they, you know, that was probably a million dollars the hospital received because of remdesivir ventilator, uh, 30 days in the hospital. And that special needs daughter had a trust for her with 400,000 in assets. And the state put a lien on the assets. And you're going to see the next slide. That is their requirement is to take the assets. So they killed her daughter with a protocol and then the daughter's on Medicaid. And so now they have to take their money. So you read, I'm going to read the first paragraph here. State Medicare programs must recover Medicaid benefits paid on behalf of a Medicaid enrollee. For individuals age 55 or older, states are required to seek recovery of payments from the individual's estate for nursing facility services, home and community-based services, and related hospital and prescription drug services. So, you know, you you think that this can't be true. And, you know, I knew this from estate planning because people try to protect their estate before they go into a nursing home and they find out it's too late once you have to go into a nursing home. You have to do the advanced planning five years beforehand to put assets in trust to be able to protect them. And so what happens is once they kill you, and you're going to see they have a vested interest by law to kill you, um, they have to come and get your money then. All right. So this next slide, Sean, I told you that we're representing one 1.2 million Americans. Uh, this is this is a big deal. People don't realize that the United States is number one in the last 39 months with deaths in a hospital with COVID as a diagnosis. And you can see on that slide, we're number one, 1.157 million hospital deaths. And so is that a big number? Well, you can't really see it's a big number until you frame it in terms of number two, which is India. And India, which has four times the population of the United States, only has 531,000 deaths. So you can just see with this one slide that something nefarious was going on. The reason I didn't make this fancy is because I wanted people to see the website I got it from, which is listed right on top. So you can see this with your own eyes if you don't trust it. All right, let's go to the next, the next one. Okay, so now we're going to dive into what's really going on, and we'll get into Obamacare. So what what is their, their excuse that they're using under the principle of collectivism, which is really not a principle. You, know, you think of a principle as something good. The Hippocratic Oath was based on the principle of individualism. 
but they have infiltrated the medical schools with this idea of collectivism. We've got to worry about the common good. And in the Medicare trustees report dated August 31st of 21, they were sounding the alarm bells. They said these projections show that we need to do make substantial changes to fund Medicare. So I'm here to tell you the substantial changes by law are to kill people. So before COVID, there were 62 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. And the cost of those programs, realize hardly any of this money really goes to the people. It's a monster bureaucracy. The cost of those two population groups was 39% of the federal budget. Well, now after COVID, so 39 months later, there's 100 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. So they relaxed the rules during COVID. So they made it seem like they're doing this for your benefit. You got coverage. We let relax the rules so you got coverage. And I'm telling you, they did this on purpose to facilitate what's coming next, which is the mass euthanasia. And I have on the bottom, what does that look like? I'm just going to give you a practical example. So we know already that cancer rates are skyrocketing and they're going to get substantially worse. 70% of our population in the U.S. took the jab and this thing is causing cancer. So now walk through what happens when somebody gets cancer. They're not feeling well. The doctor does a biopsy, blood work, discerns that they the person has cancer. So then they've already been program, programmed. This is the person going into the doctor to believe the only cure for cancer is radiation and chemo. That's from decades of programming. So the doctor says, well, with this type of cancer you have, I can get you in next week for radiation and chemo. Let's get started right away. And the person, because they've been programmed, they just accept that. And then they're trained to ask the next question, which is, does my insurance cover it? Because that's all they care about. The best thing you could do is drop any private insurance, public insurance, and just self-insure yourself. We're with Christian Healthcare Ministries to cover the catastrophic. But that way you don't have to buy into the programming of does my insurance cover it? You know, so now the doctor, the doctor says, yes, good news. You're on Medicare. Your insurance covers it. Well, guess what? The person and the doctor just signed their death certificate that day. Yeah, I think this is maybe the most important part of our conversation. Perhaps you'll drop some bombshells here before we get uh, to the end. But uh, I think that is bombshell information. And I just want to back you up here and let people know that because of the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, we see what uh, Dr. William Makis is calling turbo cancers. So look, deaths in their sleep, brain bleeds, turbo cancers, deaths with no explanation and more, people dying suddenly, MMA fighters, young people, uh, athletes, just dropping dead, getting cancer, dropping dead, you know, cardiac arrests are off the charts. I've got William Mackis. He's coming on here in the next week or two. And we're going to break this down because we need people to understand that what is happening now as is being reported about by Edward Dowd, all-cause mortality up some 40% since the rollout of the bioweapon masquerading as a vaccine, and the mainstream horror media doesn't cover it. They can't figure it out. Well, they can, but they won't tell the truth to the people. So I think what you just said, Scott, is extremely important. Do not take part in the Medicare. Uh, Do not take part in Medicare Medicaid. Because then you will be exposed to these Ezekiel Emanuel death panels, in my view. Uh, They might be silent, hidden death panels, but certainly it is a death protocol that's being carried out. And turbo cancer, there you have it, turbo cancer, off the charts. That's uh, that's right on, Sean. All right, let's look at the the next one. Uh, I lost it. Hang on. This is this is good because I you know I don't have these slides memorized. When you bring them up, it's it's all fresh. All right. Uh, this is oh gosh, this is uh, this is a big deal. Uh, Kate Shemarani turned me on to this, the idea of scoring us based on frailty. And she had shown me the documents in the UK. She's a nurse in the UK exposing what I am exposing in the US. And she asked if we could find this. And so uh, we rescued a man by the name of Robert Pazer. You see, I've got the research crediting him for this research on the bottom. Uh, my wife and I rescued him out of a hospital in Green Bay in November. He's disabled. Anyway, so I said, Robert, can you find this? And so he found that, yes, the United States is also participating in scoring people based on frailty. And you can see the conclusion I have. As you can see, critical resources go to healthier patients, the opposite of who 
might need them most. The U.S. had to be the leader in COVID hospital deaths to successfully roll out the next level euthanasia agenda. All right, so I've got the links there if somebody wants to chase those down, but I've summarized them on this slide. All right, we'll go to the next one then. Okay, this is, so remember, I told you about the reporter who called me. This is the document I emailed her, and I walked through this document. This is, uh, it's so important to see how they do this at a ground game level. They have control of the ground game. Well, yeah, we're back. Okay, so this is from the Palliative Care, Care Network of Wisconsin. We just found this a couple of weeks ago. So realize that this applies to all 50 states. This just, Grace was in Wisconsin. We're in Wisconsin, so I, I've got it for Wisconsin. The title, Palliative Care for Patients with Down Syndrome, written by two MDs. This is a training document for MDs. This is where the rubber hits the road. This is the nitty gritty as to how they justify killing people under Obamacare. So first, they introduce the document by saying all the causes of morbidity and death and Down syndrome. If you read that, you see there's 30, 40 different problems. They don't list anything good about somebody with Down syndrome. They have sleep apnea, dental issues, septal defects, thyroid dysfunction. The list, you know, it's it's why would anybody want a child like this with all these problems? But that's what they're doing. They're setting this up on purpose for justification to take the person with Down syndrome out. So then after they disclose all these negatives, nothing positive, they're sharing as a training document that these people are a burden. In fact, they're a burden on their family. So it says the lifelong toll on families is high. Part of a robust plan of care includes acknowledgement of this toll by healthcare providers. This is, are you kidding me? The lifelong toll that Grace had on our family was 100% positive. She made life worth living. She made me a better man. But what's what's the reason they're doing this? They're, they're telling these doctors, the family wants to get rid of these Down syndrome kids. So we've got we to gotta help them out. So look at the conclusion. Whenever possible, decision makers, that's the, the medical professionals, for people with Down syndrome should be encouraged to use substituted judgment, their judgment, to make key palliative care decisions. All efforts should be made to determine the preferences of the patient. However, because of lifelong cognitive impairment, the views of the person with Down syndrome may not be known. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding I mean, I know what the view of every Down syndrome person on the planet is. They it's the same live. as mine. They want to live. Yeah. You know what the slippery slope is here with this type of document? This is regarding people with Down syndrome. But how about people who are paraplegic? How about people who are on the autism spectrum? Hmm? Is well, that I... next? See, anybody who is deemed defective by this system will be targeted for death. So don't think the system's not coming for you friend, listener, dear listener, don't think it's not coming for you or your child who's on the spectrum or your child who's in a wheelchair. See, this is just the beginning. In Down syndrome, people were first. Well, and, and that's a perfect segue to uh, what I'm going to share next, because this whole eugenics idea has been around for since at least 1900, but it got codified into law. We mentioned this earlier on March 23rd of 2010. And you mentioned Ezekiel Emanuel and the quote I like best from him. Remember, he was brought in as the chief architect of Obamacare. So his attitude and beliefs are weaved all the way through Obamacare. And in 1996, he wrote services provided to individuals who are irrever irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed. Okay, so now you see this doesn't just apply to Down syndrome people. Obamacare says if you are a non-participating citizen, a useless eater, which that's going to apply to every single one of us. Every single one of us someday is going to be a net drain on the economy. So then we fall into that definition that Ezekiel Emanuel framed the entire Obamacare under. So now what I found, and this is really important, I'm going to show the actual document after I go through this section in red. So Obamacare is 974 pages long. On page 141 is section 1553, and you'll see the title of it next. But what it says is individuals, these are the doctors or institutions, the hospitals, refusing to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing may not be discriminated against by the government. All right, so they're telling us 
Just, just walk through this. They are literally telling us they're going to kill us. If you are a non-contributing member of society, they're going to kill you by assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing. It's right in section 1553. And if a doctor or a hospital has a conscience and they don't want to participate in this master plan, they will not be discriminated against by the government, which I'm going to drill that down here in a minute. So this is the biggest bomb that I have. And I'm going to show you the actual document next. So let's go to that document, Sean. Okay. All right. So this is page 141. This is literally, and look at the title. It says, even the title tells you how nefarious it is. It says prohibition against discrimination on assisted suicide. So they're telling you we want to kill you by assisted suicide. And sex subsection A, you know, explains it's not just assisted suicide, it's assisted suicide, euthanasia, and mercy killing. And this is the anti-discrimination. You can't be discriminated against if you don't want to participate in it. But it even gets worse. If you look at sub D, it says that, so we know during COVID, what happened to doctors who stood up against the agenda? They lost their licenses. So now their appeal is to the health and human services. The health and, I mean, that's in sub D. This is, so, and so I want to, I think the next section, so I'm, I'm making a real point out of appealing to the health and human services. So let's go to the next document because I want to show something. Oh, yes. Okay. So the reason that this is, it's laughable to appeal to the health and human services secretary because the health and human services secretary, people don't realize this. The health and human services secretary was given unilateral authority to implement the public health emergency. And he did so on January 31st of 2010. By law, it has to be re-upped every 90 days. So he re-upped it again for the last time on January 11th of 2023, three months ago. All right. So during, so he has unilateral authority for the public health emergency. After he did that, he instituted the PREP Act on February 4th of 2020, which that gave authority to the FDA to implement the emergency use authorizations. So what's, just a quick sidebar, Sean, is that on February 10th, or not February 10th, on April 10th, Congress passed the, the law and the president signs it that COVID is over. They didn't have the authority to do that. That was all smoke and mirrors. The only person who can end a public health emergency is the health and human services secretary. And by him not re-upping the one that he implemented on January 11th of 23, automatically expired on April 11th. <laughs> you know, that's just, it's so crazy when these politicians act like they're doing something for us. It's all a facade. All right. So why did I bring up this next, that document? Well, this is, this is the, what he did, because during the public health emergency, the health and human services secretary can implement anything that he wants under the guise of health care and, and um, security for the country. This document is the de literal death panels. This is, he implemented death panels and the next page shows the date. This is a four page document, Sean. I sent it to you. If you want to see the whole thing, you can put it in the show notes, but the purpose of me sharing this is to is to tell you. So now a doctor under Section 1553 of Obamacare is discriminated against, and he's supposed to appeal to this guy? He put in the death panels, and he put them in place. He approved it on November 23rd, filed it on November 24th. That's significant. November 23rd is the day before Thanksgiving. November 24th is Thanksgiving. So hardly anybody even knows this document exists because he did it all under the radar screen legally under the public health emergency. I'm not saying morally and I'm not saying constitutionally, but legally, this is now the law of the land, the new death panels. Gosh. All right, let's go to the. Yeah, just one thing. I don't know. You probably are too busy to have listened to my most recent interview with Lisa McGee, the researcher, uh, paralegal and uh, Ken Ferguson, the attorney about the fact that the entire administration, the Biden administration, they can't find one legally binding, properly filled out oath of office. Not one. Yeah. I, Not I a single it. notarized oath of office. All right. So I want to I want to end with something positive. And the reason is, is because anybody that hears this, I'm sure you would have an instant fear of going to the hospital and you should. But you can, you've got to know how to protect yourself. And it starts with realizing that you have rights. 
And you've got two very important rights. One of them is informed consent, and which I want to drill down, was keep that slide up. The second one is you have the right to fire your doctor. So we'll just cover that first. The doctor is not doing what you ask. You should fire that doctor. The hospital has to supply another doctor. If that doctor doesn't do what you ask, then fire that hospital, move on. You've got to take control here. This isn't the time to be nice. So now informed consent. The American Medical Association's Code of Ethics tells you the doctor has this as a basic responsibility to provide informed consent. Can you bring that slide back up, Sean, so I can read what their own Code of Ethics says? All right, it says informed consent to medical treatment is fundamental in both ethics and law. Patients have the right to receive information and ask questions about recommended treatments so they can make well-considered decisions about care. All right, so I want to walk through this and explain it so everybody can understand that that this is really important to saving your life or the life of, of a loved one. So if you can't advocate for yourself, you need to have an advocate with you or somebody that can advocate regardless. Uh, so there's advocacy services that do this, but you've got to have an advocate that gets informed consent if you can't do it yourself. And realize the doctor has this as a responsibility under his own code of ethics. So what you're asking for is nothing that they haven't already agreed to. So informed consent then is two words, informed consent. All right, so informed, I'm going to tell you what it's not. So in Grace's case, there was virtually no informed consent. They told us some things after the fact. So like when they gave Grace morphine at 6.15 on her last day, the doctor called us at 6.43, said, I just gave Grace morphine. I said, well, what's the reason you gave her morphine? And he said, um, I needed to slow her breathing down. He also said Grace had a good day in that phone call. So that's after the fact telling us what he did. You don't have a choice at that point because the doctor already did it. That is not informed consent. Another example that Dr. Zymet, who was on the early slide, uh, he wanted to give Grace toxilisumab. So he said, I would like to um, give Grace toxilisumab. At least he asked me, but it still wasn't informed consent. So he wouldn't tell me anything about it. So I said, spell it. So he spells it out. And um, so I start looking it up and I call the doctor who's on the outside. She did the same. Her and I concluded this thing is no good. We found a, an article that had a placebo study and it was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Toxilisumab had 17 side effects and the placebo group did better than the drug group. So when he sent his partner in crime in to ask my decision, I said, we're not doing it. He said, what's the reason? I showed him the New England Journal of Medicine article. He got mad at me. And I realize now after the fact, because of other medical records I reviewed for people, a lady out in Connecticut sent me her daughter's records and she did get toxilisumab. And I looked at, under the emergency use authorization, what drugs were approved. Toxilisumab is there. Toxilisumab, one dose, is $22,000 for the hospital. Oh, so you can see on. why they were promoting it. Oh, my God. That is so yeah. funny to hear that this demon doctor uh, was mad at you for actually yes. doing some research and getting your own informed consent, becoming informed. See, they're well, enemies of humanity. All these people are on the take, and woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. I, I got to tell you, I got to just say that. I, I'm going to start yeah. saying that in every interview. Woe unto them that call good evil and evil good. That's spot on, Sean. Um, it's real important. I'm sharing these stories because I, I have to have people understand what this means. So informed, you know, if you think about the last time you bought something that you never bought, you have no experience with it. You would ask a lot of questions of the salesperson, choices, makes, models, pros, cons, risks, benefits. That's what being informed is. Ask the doctor as many questions as you need. Don't worry about taking his time. That's his job. I showed you that's his job. Okay, so now you're informed. Then consent is a separate issue. Don't ever make the decision live unless it's an objective emergency. Don't let them pressure you to make that decision live. Take what he gave you, now look it up yourself, process it, ask God, and then give your consent as a separate uh, separate issue. Don't do it in the same conversation. So that's what that's my lecture on informed consent. That will literally save your life. If we would have had informed consent in Grace's situation, Grace would be alive today. That's how big of a deal it is.
Yeah. All right. I think we're getting close to the last slide. All right. So um, being, I forgot to mention about part of being prepared for the hospital is have your ducks in a row. So when you check into the hospital, they want you to sign this little screen with the fake pen. Don't do that. Get the document, read it over, cross off what you disagree with and initial it. Have them give you a copy so you have the copy. Make sure you have your medical power of attorney. Make sure you have your medical directives document. These things should be on file with the hospital before you go. But regardless, if they're not, bring them with you. Uh, on this, we have a medical or a hospital rescues tab on Grace's website. And those forms that I'm mentioning are under the tab forms you need. If you ever get in an emergency situation where you think you're being held hostage in a hospital where they're not listening, you see that the toll-free number you can call. Uh, that's that's a lady um, that is doing a phenomenal job doing rescue. She doesn't charge a penny for it. And, you know, it's it's important. We want you to be able to survive a hospital stay. All right. I think we're on the last slide then. Sean. Yeah. Hang on, though. This is interesting. Yeah. Just the phone number here. So 888-C19-EMER. That's the phone number. If you find yourself in a real tough spot, guys, and you need help, I guess this is a toll-free number that will get you in touch with who exactly, Scott? Yeah, this is Laura Bartlett is on the other end of that line. Um, she's Dr. Richard Bartlett's sister, the one that was was involved with uh, the budesonide cure at the beginning of COVID. Um, she's just She's dedicated her life to helping people out of the hospital. So that's uh, she's she's become a friend through all of this. And, you know, I trust what she's doing. She's walked through. I've had her on my podcast to walk through how she does it. And, it, you know, you don't want to ever get in a situation where you need to call that number. But if you do, at least you have somebody that is there that can help you while you're in that situation. Very good. Uh, then I just want to close with asking people, you know, it would mean a lot to me if you went to our new website, grayshera.com. We set this up to follow Grace's story in the lawsuit because we filed this landmark case on on April 11th. You know, this is not about Grace anymore uh, because we couldn't even file, Sean. Cindy and I didn't even have a claim. We had to open up an estate just to file. Uh, there's no money in the case. You know, we're we're doing this to expose evil and it's going to be an intense fight. And we're expecting we're going to need to call on the people following the case uh, coming up here and, you know, because there's, there's going to be calls to action. I just know there is. And, and we're trying to create a database of people that are following. So if you go to gracejara.com, you'll see that there's a, a link. My daughter, Jessica is maintaining that site and she's sending out regular updates now with what's going on with the case. Uh, we just got the notice that everybody was served yesterday, which is neat. Now the 20 days starts ticking. And so if you put in your name and email address, I think it says sign up here or something. I don't remember the, what the tab says, but if you do that, it would mean personally, that would mean an awful lot to me. And, and that would allow us to contact you as we create some calls for action as the case proceeds. All right, man. Well, look, you're giving me goosebumps because at this point in human history, anybody paying attention knows that uh, the powers that ought not be, the Federal Reserve, the central banks, the corporations, BlackRock, Vanguard, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. By the way, the Rockefellers. It was David Rockefeller who really launched all of this eugenics program against us and we the people. And it's just so sick. And uh, I wanted to Google. I didn't know what Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 was. You had it there in that last slide. Yes. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. The saving of many lives. Good on you, Scott Shera. I know you have a podcast as well. Can you tell people how they can find that? It's on Grace's main website, OurAmazingGrace.net. You'll see a tab that says Deprogramming, and it's the podcast is called Deprogramming with Grace's Dad. Sean has been my guest before. He did a phenomenal job when he was my guest, and um, we've got a lot of neat stuff coming up. I have Dr. Brzezinski coming up in two weeks. He's He's got an alternative cure for cancer. They tried to silence him. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to that because I see cancer as the biggest thing that they're going to unleash as the next opportunity to reduce the population. Yeah. You are on the side of good and light and God. And for that, everyone listening, thanks you. Thanks for your dedication to humanity and fighting this evil, because at this point in human history, that's what we all must do, Scott. Thanks for having me, Sean. 
It's my pleasure. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I'll leave the links below. And I want to thank my subscribe stars and our members at sgtreport.tv. Thanks for hanging with us and keeping us in the fight for truth and real news, guys. And for real news every single day for free, check us out directly at thephaser.com, thelibertymill.com, and of course, sgtreport.com. Those are all antidotes to corporate propaganda and, yes, the CIA's mockingbird mainstream media lies. May God truly bless you and your family. Bye-bye. We have to really understand there's a multi-level operation going on and our enemies are foreign and domestic. And like Donald Trump said, the ones inside are worse than the ones outside, I believe, at the moment.